Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I am excited. As my wife said, I felt like a, a caged wildcat. And it wasn't just for the message. I mean, God just, he's been dealing with me some things for the future, things that are happening both in Mayville and Corey. And uh, I'm just excited for it. Amen. You know, I, I was reading, and, and it's interesting because the book that I'm reading is not necessarily one that you would consider one that you would read to grow spiritually so much as it is one that you would just read to gain more knowledge of the word or more knowledge of the way things happen. You know, it's written from more of a scientific perspective, a Christian scientific perspective. You know, but I was seeing things in there and how many know that the Spirit can speak to you if you're open? God can speak to you and move on you if you're open to hear and if you're not open to hear, then, then, then it's going to be a lot harder for him to. But we know that God wants to speak to us. He wants, in fact, one of the things that I find really interesting about the Word, I'll get back to the book in a second. But one of the things I find really interesting is that some of the most important things, God doesn't give us a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of Scripture on. I mean, he does to this extent that we know you take something like prayer, like God gives us a lot of Scripture on prayer, but not specifically a lot of Scripture on how to pray. There's a lot in the Bible about having a relationship with God, but not specifically a lot about how to have a relationship with God. And I love that because what, I've, what he started to show me is that it's because God wants it personal. You know, God is a personal God, and he wants, a pers he wants his, his relationship with you to be personal. Glory to God. And so, uh, you, you know, as he uh, instructs us in the Word to pray, uh, but not always necessarily how to pray or which way, way to pray. And, of course, that's why we come together. We come together to learn more about God and try to learn more about the things of God and to connect with God. Amen? Uh, but at any rate, I was reading this book, and, and, and it was revealing some things to me. And I, I started realizing, you know, like, you know, God, uh, one of the instructions, uh, part of the instruction that he gave uh, Adam and Adam and Eve when he, when he formed them, created them, and, uh, you know, he, he, he said, you, you know, to, to fill the earth and subdue it, praise the Lord. But, you know, one of the things that, that God did was he put his man in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And I find that really interesting, but the book was kind of talking about there, it touched on that, and it really opened up my heart to see some things, you know. Part of my life, if you don't know, is I, I, I can't not look at things and want them changed. Uh, I could paint my living room probably every other week and be happy with it, amen. I could change the, the pictures around all the time. There's, you know, I, I, I just always want to do something. I always want to build something else. And for a lot of times, I, I thought, man, this is just a distraction. This is just a, uh, you, you know, a pull into other things. And then I started realizing, and then I realized as I was reading this book, as this revelation was coming to me about what God actually did, was that he actually put that on the inside of me. Because God is not a God who who just created one flower, he created a vast number of flowers. Not just one tree, but many trees. And, you know, he could have gotten it done with one kind of grass. He could have put all the nutrients that everything would need in one kind of grass, but instead he gave many kinds of grass and he gave many kinds of soils and, and many kinds of different things for us to discover. And then he said, he's told us to tend it and to keep it. 
And to tend it and to keep it means that we need to interact with it and we need to, you know, connect with it. And of course, we all have different homes and different aspects of how we look at things. And why am I getting into all this? Because as I'm looking at the church, I come into the church and I just, I, I, what, what was stirring me wasn't even the message that I was about to preach as much as it was just this, this place that God has brought us to, that he's, he's given us a, this place that he ordained before we even set foot here. And, and he prepared the place for us before we set foot here. And then even once we get here, he, he, he stirs within us this desire to, to see things better and to see things change and to see things new. And, you know, we had people, you know, this originally was a church well, before we got it anyways, it was a church. And we had people that had been part of that church come in here and they were amazed at how different it was. And it's just vision, you know, and then God gives us vision. And so that vision can stir you if you let it. But see, a lot of people just get complacent in their lives. They get complacent in the things that they do, and they get complacent in, in the day-to-day, -day, and they never, they never really look for more, and God wants us to see more. And when I say he wants us to see more, it doesn't mean that you've got to have more, a bigger house, more cars, or whatever, or a different job, but he wants you to see more of life. He wants you to see more in life, that life is more than just what you do day-to-day. -day. Uh, life is more than just what you uh, are experiencing at the moment. And I think a lot of you probably would be happy to hear that. And if you're not happy to hear that, you should be happy to hear that. Because if you're in a good moment, then you know that God has more for you. But if you're in a bad moment, you know that God has more for you. And so whatever we're facing in the moment, God has a way of making all things work together for the good. Doesn't the Bible say that? In Romans 8, 28. That he causes all things to work together for the good. So even when there's things that happen that are bad, if we keep our focus right, God can work that bad for the good. I love that. Amen? And that's a God we serve. That is not my message today, but it's a heck of an introduction, ain't it? Amen. Glory to God. And even if you don't think so, praise the Lord. You might not like it. You might not be into it. I don't know. I can't tell for, to be certain. But I can say this, even if you're not, I am, and so I'm just going to go with it, amen? So, so if you don't mind, I am going to just keep preaching, glory to God, and, and, and get, I, I, I fully expect by the time I'm going to be done with this, I'm going to be happy, amen. praise the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm happy now, but I'm going to be happier, praise God, hallelujah, because uh, God's got good things for us tonight, amen? And if you don't believe it, I believe it, so I'm going to at least receive it, amen? amen. Hallelujah. Tonight's message is called Heavenly Perspective, Amen. And it's interesting, you know, I was telling my wife how this message came about. You know, really, this message started uh, sometime earlier in the week. It was one of those. I woke up out of my sleep, and God was dealing with me on some things. And I find, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm starting to not resist that. And what I mean by that is I've learned that God speaks to me a lot as I'm waking up. As I'm coming out of sleep, as I'm coming out of that rest, you know, and, and really it's because I, you know, I, I believe fully the reason, at least why he does it with me this way, is because, you know, that's a place where I, I've, I'm, I'm rested. You know, Jesus called his disciples to come away a lot, rested, you know. As you go through the day, as you progress through the day, sometimes by the time you get to the end of the day, you're ready for bed, right? You're like, okay, I'm glad this day is over. 
But God uh, started dealing with me instantly as I woke up about heavenly perspective. In fact, sometimes he starts dealing with me before I'm awake. And what's interesting about it is I, I'm starting to come to and I have to, I, I have to tell myself, oh, start writing that down because, you know, a lot, my mind just wants to go back to sleep. But I do, no, start writing that down because you'll surely forget it and sometimes I do. But God started dealing with me some things and I started, I, I wrote about half of a message as I woke up. But today, as I, as I sat down and endeavored to get before the Lord and because and, uh, I didn't have anything specifically on my heart for today's message, you know, I started seeking him and there, there was this pathway that kind of opened up and still I started putting together the message and it was about half of a message that I got. And I got about halfway through it and then I realized, oh, this is the first half to the second or to the part that I did the other day. And I didn't realize that they correlated until I got to that <laughs> point, but they did. And so God had brought things together. And, you know, I like to share these kinds of things and I'll tell you why I like to share them because they, when I share these types of things of how God deals with me, it doesn't mean this is the way God will deal with you on anything. But what you can see by that is that there's a process. And sometimes the process is completely unsure. In fact, I've learned that about God is that a lot of times when he starts us in a process, it's unsure. You're not going to know where to go. You're not going to know what to do. You just maybe know where to start. Or maybe you don't even know where to start and you know you're going to go in a certain direction. So you start looking for the start and, and eventually you get there. But don't be wigged out by the process. Don't be wigged out because you don't know everything. You don't need to know everything. If I knew everything, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have, go, I wouldn't have gotten this far. Because if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now because I would have run from it. Amen? Now I'm glad that I didn't run from it because there's more for me to do. And I know that God has more things for me to do. Uh, and I'm glad that I don't know what those things are because I surely would run from them as well. Amen. And you would do the same. And so we just need to know what we need to know when we need to know it. Glory to God. And we go with God to get through that. Praise the Lord. We trust him. And as we trust him, he opens the doors. And as he opens the doors and we walk through them in faith. I said as we walk through them in faith. As we walk through them trusting him, as we walk through them assure, assured in him, knowing that God is taking us somewhere, that God is going to get us somewhere, and that somewhere is going to be good, amen, amen. that we can walk through those doors and get there. That's walking through them in faith. Glory to God. He does certainly get us somewhere, amen? Praise the Lord. I was telling Reverend Josh just before service, I said, there's a lot of things that are stirring in my heart right now, and right now I'm so excited about them, but I know there's an impossibility to get to them right now. It's just not the time. And how do I know it's not the time? Because it's impossible right now. Amen. I just can't make it happen. If I could make it happen right this instant, I would, but I can't. But I know that they're coming, and sometimes our assurance is nothing more than the inward witness or, or a, a thing on the inside of you, the conviction on the inside of you that something is going to happen. Amen. But if you know God, and you should know God at least a little bit, but if you know God, that's something he'll bring it to pass if we trust him for it. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I had a dream last night that I was going to preach, uh, that I was preaching. I was actually ministering in the dream, not here, but it was somewhere. And I was ministering a completely different message than what I had come with. And it seems like that's what's happening right now. I don't know if that's fulfillment of it or if I just got caught up in something. Amen. But, uh, well, praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Isaiah. We're going to go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah is a wonderful, wonderful book. It's probably one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. And one of the thing, interesting things about Isaiah is that there's, I believe there's 66 chapters in it. 
And it's actually kind of split up almost exactly like, uh, you know, however, there was there 27 books of the New Testament. And uh, so you subtract that from 66, that would be somebody, 49. Would, was that, is that what it leaves? 49? Did I do that right? No? 2066 minus 27 is what? 49. Am I right? Yeah? Somebody tell me. Pull a calculator. We'll figure this out. We're going to say it's 49. It's 40, 49 to begin with and 27, amen? 39. That's what I meant, 39. I was saying, what would you say? You said 49. I said 39. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought, amen. But uh, 39, something like that. But we, there's 39 books, and in, in, in Isaiah's kind of broke up the same way. I don't know how, you know, I wasn't smart enough to figure all that out, but someone else did. And it's kind of like a mini Bible, amen? And so that's, that's, that's pretty exciting. And, and I, I, but there's a lot of good stuff in here, and including what we're about to read. Isaiah 55, and starting at verse 8, we're going to read all the way down through verse 9. Praise the Lord. So if you find verse 8, we're not too far away from the end. Glory to God. But it says here, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says this. Now I know in context he was speaking to uh, a different group of people that he was prophesying. You know, the, the prophecy was coming through Isaiah to a group of people. And it was for a specific thing. And really at the moment right now, I don't even know what the specific thing was. So in context, he was speaking to other people. But how many know that if God's thoughts were not like their thoughts, they're probably not like our thoughts either. Amen? Amen. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, everybody say higher. higher. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Glory to God. Why is it that we are called to seek God? We're called to seek God. We're called to conform our thoughts or transform our thoughts by renewing our mind to his thoughts, through his thoughts. Glory to God. Now, is it because God doesn't like our thoughts or doesn't want us to have our own thoughts? No. It has nothing to do with that. It's that he wants us to think on his level. He wants us to think from his perspective. God wants us to have a heavenly perspective. Amen. Amen. Why would God want us to have a heavenly perspective? Well, I think about it a lot as I, if I fly in an airplane, you know, I get to do that once in a while. And I, I always think about the same thing. When you go in an airplane, everything looks a lot different. You know, as you drive around the area here, you'll see lots of hills and some mountains and stuff like that. And, you know, as you're driving, as we're driving here, we have to come over some of those hills and mountains. And, you know, when we're coming up over a hill, we don't know, we can't see what's on the other side. You know, there's a curve and there's bends in the road and you don't know what's coming. And sometimes you come around a curve and there's an Amish buggy in the middle of the road. One night I almost got run off the road by an Amish buggy that was being driven by people who were, they were drunk driving. If you can do that with an Amish buggy, they were doing it. Amen. And they almost ran me off the road coming back, but I couldn't see it because I wasn't there. I didn't have the right perspective. But when you go in an airplane, how many know that these, even these tallest hills, these mountains, uh, they, they, they don't look like anything. They look flat. You know, it looks like nothing. You look down on it, you know, and it's just like, oh, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, it doesn't exactly look flat. I mean, you still can have some depth perception. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is with the perspective, they don't near, look near like what they, they do when you're on them. And uh, you can see a lot further. You can see a lot. Uh, you can see what's coming down the road. Amen. 
And so I liken this a lot. I think about this a lot when I think about these scriptures. God is always asking us to come up higher. And the reason he's asking us to come up higher is because he wants us to see things from his perspective. His perspective sees the beginning from, or the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen down the road because his perspective is there. Now, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us this in, uh, in, in John 16, tells us one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that he will do is he will show us things to come. And so one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do is reveal to us the path that is ahead of us. Now, you know, sometimes showing us, and we, we've done a lot of focusing in the past of that when the Holy Spirit will show you things to come, that means he's going to tell you the future. And, and there could be an aspect of that, that the Holy Spirit could reveal to you specifically something that is going to happen in the future. But I think even more so what the Holy Spirit does is he shows us the path that we are to walk. And as we walk that path, we walk into the things that God has intended us to walk into. But see, we can't see that perspective from the place that we're at when we just stay here because a lot of times we're, we're seeing the block in the road ahead. We, we, we can't see past the blockage. And so we get focused on the blockage. So whatever's going on in life, and the devil would like to bring up things in life, sometimes the things come up in life just because you made a certain bad choice or whatever, and you're, you're on a certain... But see, God can always see beyond those things. We get stalled on those things, God sees beyond those things. And what we need so often in life is to have heaven's perspective. But we can't do it when we just stay down here on the earth. We can't do it when we just stay in our ways of thinking. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Why does he tell us that? Because when he tells us to do something, there's purpose for it. You know, when I was down there in, on this ministry trip, one of the first things that I heard in my spirit, because God had been dealing with me on a lot of things, he said, everything that I've been trying to do in you is to make you better. That's what I heard in my spirit very clearly. And it gave me a lot of peace because I was being a little bit overwhelmed with things I, I knew I had to change in my own life. Has God dealt with you about things you have to change in your life? I'm going to be honest with you. If you say no, then you're not much of a Christian. Because if God ain't dealing with you on nothing, that means that you're not listening. Because God's always dealing with us on something. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm okay. I just got where... No, you're not. You're not okay. Because if God thought that you would be okay, then he wouldn't tell you to think his thoughts. He wouldn't tell you to try to put in his word. You know, see, with a place we think that we've got it, we've got it figured out. You know, as a pastor, I know one of the things that I've learned, I've been a pastor now for eight years, thereabouts, amen. I've been a pastor for eight years, and one of the things that I've learned is I know less than I did then. Amen. But I do know this, I know God, praise the Lord, and I'm learning him more. And because of that, I can walk things out, I can actually get somewhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for that. We need God's thoughts. You know, the problem with the Israelites is that they couldn't see God's thoughts. They thought that they knew God's thoughts. They thought that they had them. And I've seen this in Christianity. I'm just going to tell you, we, there's been Christians just long enough to get a little bit prideful, to get a little bit full of themselves. You know, this is, we're Christians. This is how we act. This is how we do things. This is how we vote. This is how we have this, uh, how we look at this affiliation. This is how we understand the Bible. This is, you know, we're, we're this denomination or we're that denomination. So this is what we know. But see, God's thoughts are always higher than our thoughts. 
Even when you think you know what you know, God's thoughts are still higher. And so even though you think you've got a firm grasp on it, sometimes you're going to find out that you don't. Amen? But see, there's a, that's kind of happened. And, and, and what happens when we get into that place, it's almost a kind of complacency. It's a place of pride. That when we get into that place where we can't, where we think that we know, then we can't hear anymore. And that's a dangerous place for anybody that is trying to be led to be. Because if you are, you know, the Bible tells us to be led by the Holy Spirit. And he tells us that he will continually lead us by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will lead us as long as we are here. Amen? Specifically, the Holy Ghost is here on earth to lead us as long as we are here. How many know that that doesn't stop? Well, if you know what to do, then you don't need to be led. You know, I, uh, when, when we f would go, uh, when we go a lot of places, when we used to, you know, we spend a lot of time, we end up in Erie a lot, and when we go downtown Erie, you know, and I get want to go to a certain place, I used to have to bring up my GPS to go. Now I know how to go there. I don't bring up my GPS anymore. I know exactly where to go. No, if you would tell me to go to this street, I, I, you know, uh, especially the, the main streets, I know where they all are, so I would know how to get there. Uh, you know, if you say go to this side of area, this part of area, I would probably know one of the fastest routes to get there. And if you live in an area, you learn that even faster. You know, I, I, I often traveling, when you first get to a place, you're like, you don't know anything. It's all foreign to you, and you can't figure out where it's at. But once you got a hang of it, then it's really easy, right? Well, see, the same thing is about following God. If we think that we know everything, if we, if we know, then we don't need, what do we need the Holy Spirit for anymore? If we know where to go. But see, the thing is, we don't know where to go. We know what to do for today, and we know some things. We know how to be saved. But even sometimes, I don't think Christians really fully know how to do that. Because can you articulate it in a way that makes sense to someone else who doesn't know? If you can't, then you don't really know. You, may know, you might know enough to get you saved or get you in the door, but what does that do for everybody else? It doesn't do anything, and we're called to do for everybody else. So we should be proficient in these things. In fact, when I came out to pastor, one of the things that bothered me was there were certain things I couldn't lead people on. And even now, as there was things where I was getting overwhelmed a little bit. I was like, God, I don't know what to teach people about this thing. And you know what the Lord shared with me? You teach the people what you know, and then you follow me. Glory to God. Sometimes, I've said this many times, I come to the pulpit, I feel like it's the last thing I know. But that's okay because I follow him. And so even if I bring the last thing I know and I follow him, I, that's enough for me to know as, as long as I know that I, I haven't got it on my own. God forbid I ever stand in a pulpit and think I know exactly what I got to do. Or I, I don't have a little bit of fear in me of how the service is going to go. I should have. I should come to the pulpit with a little bit of fear that I don't know what's going to happen because it all depends on something else. But I can trust that it'll be good because that something else is him. And so the same thing applies to us as we walk through our lives. Don't be Christians who just know everything. Oh, I know all about the Bible. I've heard the word. I've read that so many times. I can quote the scripture. It doesn't matter because until, uh, if, if you close yourself off, God can't show you more. Why do I bring this up? Pull up Romans 10.3. Glory to God. Romans 10.3, speaking about the Jews, I love this. You know, of course, we get to 10.9 and it's a salvation scripture. We think we know that. I thought I knew it. I could quote it. And then even today, the Lord showed me something I didn't know about it. How would you like that? Amen? Amen. But Romans 10.3, speaking about the Jews, he says, For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. 
for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. That word subject literally is it's the same word as submit. It means the same thing. Why do we come to church? We submit ourselves to God. Why do we read the word? We're submitting ourselves to God. See, as we submit ourselves to God, we can hear from him. We can get direction. Christians that don't go to church are Christians that can't be directed. Christians that don't uh, read the word are Christians that can't be directed. Christians that never seek God in prayer or never look to him for anything are Christians that can't be directed. There's a lot of Christians that are undirected because they just don't do these things. See, we don't, we, don't, we don't talk about coming to church as a way to put bondage on people. If you feel like it's bondage, that's foolishness. Coming to church is about connecting to God. Yeah. Listening to a pastor preach is about connecting to God, believe it or not. Right. Why? Because that's how he ordained it. Right. <clears throat> if not, there would never be any. We could point to the scripture and say, there's no need for pastors because the Bible tells us that. But the Bible says, I'll give you pastors. Amen? Amen? And that there's need for them. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. It would do us no good to come to God and then not submit to him. And yet this is exactly what a lot of people do. They come to God and they're like, okay, I will come to God, but then I, I, gotta, I gotta have my life like this. I gotta have things like this. I gotta feel this comfortable. I gotta be this okay with this. Do you know how I try to come to God? I, 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 and I truthfully, and I believe this is why God can do something with me and through me. Because I try to come to God open. Now, when I say open, I don't mean like, okay, all of a sudden the word is just going to mean something it doesn't. Now there's a new way for salvation. Now, we know certain things through the word that are un, uh, that, you, that you cannot, uh, that you can't manipulate. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Amen. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. He has made the way. Now, what does that way look like? Well, that way has a lot of ways of looking like, and that's something that you can think that you know and not necessarily know. But the, we do know that Jesus is the only way to him. Amen? We know that Jesus died and paid the price for us. Glory to God. A lot of times we focus on that fact that Jesus died. In fact, that's what God showed me today. Is that it's not even that Jesus died that is the thing for us to focus on. That's good. You know, you, 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 some of you are kind of looking at me a little bit like a cow at a new gate. Like, like I'm not so sure I like where this is going. Pull, we, we weren't planning on doing this, but go ahead and pull up Romans 10, 9. Praise the Lord. This is one of the, the most, the, the most, our most popular used salvation scriptures. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that Jesus died. It's not what it says. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. In fact, there's another one. Hallelujah. I didn't plan on getting into this today, and I don't know why I am, but I'm going to, just because we're there. Uh, <clears throat> Romans 10.9. Praise the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Let's see, where, where was this? Because I, I was studying this out earlier. <clears throat> You know what I'll do? I'll bring it up on my phone because that's where I was studying it. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Oh, sorry. Not Romans 10. Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. Verse 34. What's it say? It says, 
Who is he who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us. The work of Jesus didn't end on the cross. Actually, we understand through the study of the word that the work of the cross was to bring about the raising. We didn't need Jesus to die. We already knew how to do that. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. The purpose of Jesus dying was to raise. The purpose of Jesus raising was not for him. He was already raised. He didn't need to be raised. We needed to be raised because we were dead. There could not be resurrection without death. There could, not be one, uh, there could not be resurrection without someone who could overcome death, and we could not overcome death. We needed Jesus to overcome death. We needed heavenly perspective. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, that's all free, no charge. But uh, uh, it, they, they were trying to establish their own righteousness. They were seeking themselves, their, their own way, their own ideas of religion. <clears throat> Glory to God. You can be hungry. Uh, we, uh, I want to say this first. We don't come to God to empower our, our will, but we come to God to be empowered through his will. I said we don't come to God to empower our will. See, some people do. Some people come to God because they want, they want God to, to make their life better. They pray because they want God to make their life better. But God doesn't come to make what, what's dead alive or what's dead better. He comes to resurrect the dead. Yeah. Amen? And transform it into something else. Right. You know, uh, when, when he comes, he empowers us to do his will. Because it's in God's will that, 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 that freedom is found. It's in God's will that salvation is found. It's in God's will that the power is found. It's in God's will that the, the path is found. Hallelujah. It's not, it wasn't found on your path. And so we're foolish to come to God and not yield ourselves completely to him. And, and yet that's the thing we struggle with. And God has patience with us. And, and if you're, you're struggling with that or if you are struggling with that, it's okay that there's some struggle in you because God has put some uh, uh, leeway in there for for that to happen. Amen? But we have to understand that our ultimate goal is to submit ourselves to him, be transformed into his likeness because that's what he wanted, us, wanted for us. Praise God. It wasn't in us that salvation could happen. It was in him. And so God has to transform us, but he can only transform us if we yield our will to him. You can be hungry for God but miss him because you refuse to allow his thoughts to fill you. The reason so many Christians never do much for the Lord is because they only ever have their perspective. They never yield their perspective to God. They never yield uh, them, their thoughts to God. They say, this is my thought. This is the way I think it should be. This is why we get mad when there's trial. Because it's not what we thought it should be. But see, if you know God, you should know that the trial doesn't matter. Because the, the fact that the trial is there does not mean that God is not doing something. The fact the trial is there means there's trial there. And it wasn't going to change regardless of whether you follow God or not. The trials you face, honestly, probably wouldn't be any, or not probably, they wouldn't be any better without God. They would be more intense without God. But see, with God, we have a, he has a way of making even what's bad, 
even what happens, it's bad because things will happen in our life. Sometimes things will happen that, man, we prayed against and it's exactly the opposite of what we prayed for. That doesn't mean that God's done with it yet. Just because something hasn't come out yet, just because something hasn't come to fruition yet. And sometimes it can go pretty bad. I've seen things go from bad to worse. Have you ever seen that? Amen. Have you ever seen it go from bad to worse? Bad to worse is not fun. But bad to worse when you're a Christian, when you're a Christian who knows who they are in Christ. Bad to worse when you think thought, uh, when you've gone from bad to worse, when you think God's thoughts, you know something that other people don't know. The thing that others, see, I, I think about that. My wife, you know, talked about it just, just briefly. How sometimes you're with family, unsaved family and stuff like that. And they, they, t- there's no hope. There's no hope for anything. But what you can have is hope for better. You can have hope for God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So this is why people can be hungry for God. They can come to God and they say, yes, I, I, I like being a Christian. I, I want to do this. And Yes, I recognize that God is God and Jesus died for us and he's God's son and God raised him from the dead and, and he died for me. Praise the Lord. And he died for you. You can recognize all that things. and you, you can even recognize, man, it's important that I go to church and that I read the word and that I pray and that I, I do all these things. It's important for me to do this. Right? But still in your mind, you're going to keep your thoughts the way you want them to be. You're going to keep your perspective the way you want to see it. One of the things that God has done with me over the past few years is very interesting. He allows me to think my thoughts for a little while on any given subject. Thoughts I've been completely sure on. Thoughts that because, and listen, I've been renewing my mind for quite a few years now. So I've got some fruit happening in my life because I've renewed my mind. You know that'll happen. You know, the more you think God's thoughts, the better you'll think. The more peace you'll have. Do you know that it just happens? So as you start yielding yourself, you find a way, and, and by God, you start living life that's a pretty decent life. And my life has gotten a lot better than it was when we came in. Shoot, we went from, you know, looking for $5 meals before, living on ramen noodles and stuff like that. We can eat what we want now for the most part. I mean, you know, there is limitations. It's not like we're going out to eat every night. But we certainly go out a lot more than we used to. Yeah. My wife and I had a nice dinner last night. We went out. We had some time. And, and, and we had just some time to, you know, just some time to basically by ourselves. So we were like, let's go have dinner. So we went and had a nice dinner. And, it, you know, it was a dinner before that we might have only had once a month. And we had a nice dinner. You know, earlier this week, we had some stuff we had to take care of. We were out to dinner. We had to... We went to a place we want. We didn't just go to McDonald's and say, well, it's on the dollar menu. So life is better. But even though life is better, even though that I'm seeing things better, how many know that I can still get God's perspective? And, and, and what God has allowed in me is like I used to think, I, was, I would never do this. I'll say that. And then all of a sudden, God, I'll, I'll see this thing happen in my life. And I, I'm seeing it from a different perspective because God has forced me into that perspective. Do you know sometimes, I don't know if I wrote this down for this service or not, but I, I know it came to my spirit the other day. Sometimes we have to see, sometimes we have to go through trial so we have perspective of how good God is. So we can't understand what goodness really is unless we have something to relate it to. You know, you see this with someone who's spoiled, a child who's spoiled. You know, they're always given everything they want, and so they, they never really care about anything. And why is that? Because there's no perspective. They don't know what it's like to go without. Sometimes it's good to go without. Amen? For a time. Well, praise the Lord. 
Um, but the reason so many Christians don't do much for the Lord is because they only have their perspective. Amen? Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2, 2 Timothy, praise Jesus. When I came in here, it was cold. They turned the heat up for y'all, and now it's warm up here. Praise the Lord. That's all right. I can't. The heat's already surrounded me as a cloud. Hallelujah. Second Timothy 2, verse 12. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. It says here, if we endure, we will, also, uh, we will also reign with him. If we endure. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. You know, this is really interesting Actually, if you're if you're in, just you're you're there, um, oh, I guess we'll get there. But that, the the word uh, to deny him, you know, yeah, I don't know about you. Sometimes you know how a word is used because especially in English we use words sometimes uh, in different uh, different forms. You know that they can mean kind of uh, a, a different perspective, and just how we read it can sometimes change how we see the word. But that's why it's important to study the word out. But the word deny it literally is the same as refuse. So to re if we refuse him, he'll also refuse us. Yeah. In other words, if we refuse uh, uh, if we refuse his instruction. He's going to refuse the help. Yeah. If we refuse the instruction, he's going to refuse the help. Now, um, you're, you're there. I want you to go down. And the, well, first, that, that word endure means to remain or abide. So if we remain or abide, if we endure through it, if we remain in him, we will also reign with him. If we remain, we reign. Hallelujah. Yeah. If we remain in him, we will reign with him. This is a promise in Scripture. But if we deny him, if we refuse him, he will also refuse us. If we refuse his instruction, he's going to refuse the help. See, sometimes people are just like, well, Lord, I want you to do this, but I just want you to do this for me. And this is why we have to be very careful as Christians not to make up things in our mind. You know, like, I'm just going to live the life that I want to live. You know, God hasn't called us to live a better life because he doesn't want it to go good for us. You know, when the Bible says to abstain from different things, I mean, we have whole lists of it, uh, abstaining from different things. A lot of people think, oh, God just doesn't want us to have fun. No, all those things cause destruction. If you don't believe me, go, go ahead and read in, in, in uh, Galatians 5. Praise the Lord, right, right around 17, 18, somewhere in there, it starts talking about the, the, the works of the flesh and what they are and the things that are entailed in that uh, and, and, and all those things. You know, and, and sometimes Christians embrace these things. They, they embrace this kind of living, thinking, well, you know, it's okay for me to do this because we've been made free. Well, you can keep thinking that way, but what you're doing is you're refusing the instruction of the word, which tells you to stay away from these things, and you're embracing destructive uh, thinking. And when you do that, God isn't going to come in and just fix things. You know, when you start refusing the things of God, you start refusing the ability to get answers in prayer. You start refusing the ability to have God's power flowing through your life because you're embracing things that aren't God. Amen? Praise God. Now, you're, you're there in uh, uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. Go down to uh, chapter 3 and verse 5. And these scriptures are kind of connected, not just 
because they're in, in the same book. But uh, it says here, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And this is talking about people in the, the end times. You know, uh, uh, the way people are going to be. And you can read all about that if you read the scriptures just before. But in the end it says, holding to a form of godliness. They hold to a form of godliness. They hold to a form of godliness. Let's make sure this isn't us. Let's make sure we don't have a form of godliness. Oh man, I got a, I got a, I got a tattoo of a cross. With a scripture under it. I do have a tattoo of a cross. Praise the Lord. I'm not suggesting going out and getting that. I'm not saying, but a lot of people think that, they, you know, they do that. They have a form of godliness. They go to a church. Just, just so you know, I wouldn't go out and get a tattoo today. Um, in fact, if I could erase all mine, I would, because I would just be happier without them. But the, the point that I'm trying, and I got some of them, I got them all being saved. That's just interesting. It's, I'm not telling you to do that or not to do it. I'm just telling you the truth. But uh, or my, the things I'm dealing with, or the things I've dealt with there. Praise the Lord. But at any rate, uh, you, you know, people think they have a form of godliness. I call myself a Christian, and I, I, I carry around a Bible with me even. They have a form of godliness, but they have denied its power. And this is interesting because uh, here we see that word deny again. And this is where I started getting the understanding and connecting these scriptures because I started studying that out. Uh, if, uh, to deny the power is to deny its ability to transform or to refuse the power or the ability to transform. See, the, the, the power in the, of, of the word, what it does for us is it transforms. Remember, remember Romans 12 too, we talk about that a lot. Uh, to, to don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the power that the Bible's talking about. See, renewing your mind is the power of God. That's what opens the door for the power to flow and change a life from, from being ineffective, from being uh, dead, to being effective and being alive. That's what the power is to do. But when we deny its power, we can look godly on the outside. We can even have the Christian radio station on our, in our car. Amen? You turn on the car. Have you ever done that? I've done it before. Where you know somebody else is going to get in your car, so you make sure it's on the right station. Amen. You know what I mean? Like you must, you're listening to garbage before, but now you're, you, you, you know, praise God. I'll be honest with you, if you get into my vehicle, my vehicle, I don't know, I can't say it's for my wife, it's usually the Christian station, it's on and hers. But if you get into my vehicle and you turn it on, there's a radio station. I never change the radio station because I never listen to the radio. Yeah. When I'm in the vehicle by myself, I, 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 I never listen to the radio. And if I listen to anything, uh, you can ask my family if, if we're all together and I put something on, it's not the radio. I put it on through my phone, Spotify, or something like that. I play something, my own stuff. I don't listen to the radio, so it's just on what it's on. Uh, probably the same station that whoever had the vehicle before had put it on. Amen? And so uh, that's the truth. But a lot of people have a form of godliness, but they're, they're refusing the life-changing power. Uh, when you, I actually read this in Weiss, the uh, uh, Weiss Study Trans translation about it and it said some really interesting things uh, it said, uh, they've denied its power the power to over that overcomes resistance those who uh, only have an outward semblance of piety but not an inward reality so they have an outward semblance they look like Christians they smell like Christians they they may even kind of act like Christians but inwardly, they don't have that reality. They refuse to allow access to their lives. Wow. 
To deny the power is to deny the ability to transform. This power is the same as Romans 1.16, which says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it has the power to transform. Amen. That's literally what it is. If we refuse uh, him access to our lives, he will refuse the, the power in ours. If we're going to refuse the access of God to our lives, we have to allow him to change our thoughts. You know, all of this is actually building. I haven't even got into the other sermon yet. Amen. Fresh thinking has place in your life. Or let me say this. When fresh thinking has place in your life, you begin to see things from his perspective. When fresh thinking has place in your life, you begin to see things from his perspective. <clears throat> Lord, I yield my very thoughts to you. This needs to be something that we make a habit, a practice. Lord, I yield my thoughts to you. Do you know that faith, so much of our faith, is not necessarily even in, in what we uh, are struggling. See, a lot of people struggle with faith and the concept of faith or believing because they're waiting for the belief to show up in their head. But you know, the Bible never tells us that. It doesn't tell us that. Because you, do you know that there's people that can uh, mentally assent to something, say, I know that's true, but still have no faith? Do you know that there's people that will say, I know that Jesus is Lord, but they don't, they, they, they've mentally assented to that, that he's God's son, but they can't be saved because they, they refuse what, what the Lord wants. They refuse change, they refuse repentance, they refuse the things that God, that's actually a thing. You don't believe me? Well, Jesus himself said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, depart from me, you, I didn't know you. Do you notice that there's a knowing that God wants? A knowing of you that God wants. He wants to know you intimately. And, and I would suggest that probably anybody in here is not under that, you know, in danger of that. that not to mean that you couldn't be. So I don't want you leaving here being afraid of that. But, uh, we, we, you know, we, we can, uh, so much of God's, I was talking about faith, so much of faith is not as much uh, what we have agreed to in our mind to say that, that, that uh, I, you know, I... Uh, that, that you know that this thing is going to work. But it's that putting yourself out there, allowing yourself to be in that position to, to have it transform you, allow God's word to transform you. Let me give you an example. How many believe that they're saved in here? That they're going to heaven. Someday you will see Jesus, you will go to heaven, and God will accept you. Everybody did, right? Um, how many have proof of that? What proof can you point to? If somebody said, I want tangible proof of your salvation, you can't have it. It's just something that you, that you have hope for, that you have expectation for, that you just believe to be true. Well, see, if you can believe that to be true, then you can look at the word and say, I can believe it to be true. And so literally, sometimes coming to God, coming to faith is not as much uh, uh, the ability to do so. You can say, Lord, I'll yield my thoughts to you. I have no idea how to do it. But you can do so by faith because you say out of your mouth, Lord, I believe your word. I yield my thoughts to you. I yield the, the way I'm thinking to you. 
Now, of course, there is a part that we have to play. In other words, we have to put God's word in us because if we never put God's word in us, we'll never yield our thoughts to him because we'll never know what his thoughts are. But there's a process that we can start taking. And, you know, uh, uh, I say this often. God has given me this ability, and I believe that this is in everybody, but I know that it's in me. It's a, it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a real simple, it's kind of a rolling over and dying kind of ability. That's, that's the best way I can, I, I can just describe it. It's a rolling over and dying kind of. What do I mean by that? What I mean is this. When I get to a hard place that I know I can't conquer. You ever been there? I get to a place where I finally just give up. And what I mean by that is I yield myself completely to the fact I can't fix it. I can't do it. I roll over and die. That's literally, I crucify my flesh in that way. I literally roll over and die. I, I'm not going to cry about it anymore because I can't change it. Right. I've cried about it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I ain't anymore because I can't change it. Yeah. So I yield it to him. Yeah. That's, that, that is the most basic thing in faith that we can do. Yeah. How are you going to get over a, a struggle, a trial? Because when it's something that's out of your hands, yeah. you roll over and die. But what, you, what I mean by that is I don't mean you're just going to, you know, you're just going to give up on life and that life is all over. I mean you die to yourself. Yeah. You die to your way. You roll over and say it doesn't matter because I can't change it. Right. Now, you know, I, I was recently talking with somebody and, and, and counseling with them, you know, and I was and trying to help them get somewhere. And, 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 and they were told something specific and they, they wanted this thing to come to pass. And it had to do with the will of somebody else getting saved. And so it was dealing with the will of somebody else. And this is what they said to me. They said, I, I saw it then after I, I, I knew what I had to do. I started praying harder for it. That sounds good. Praying harder for it. Oh, I've heard so many people come to me over the years and say, I've, Pastor, I've prayed so hard for this. I'm praying hard. Oh, I'm, I'm praying hard for this. I'm putting everything in it. You know, and I said to this person, I stopped and said, well, I want to ask you a question. I said, do you think that God is in heaven hearing your prayer and thinking to himself, I would answer them, but they haven't prayed hard enough for him. I want them to pray a bit harder. But see, why? It, it sounds ridiculous, right? But why when all of a sudden, you know, I, I was talking to a friend recently and he said this in kind of jest. He said, I thought I was having a heart attack, Right? And if you think you're having a heart attack, what do you think is going to happen after that? You think you're probably going to die. Right? This is going to happen, right? So this friend of mine who's a born-again believer, a minister of the gospel, a good, uh, uh, you know, faithful man of God, hallelujah, he says, you know what you do when you start thinking that you're going to die or you're going to have a heart attack, you start praying real hard then. We all do that when we're in trial. It's like, okay, I'm in trial. I'm going to start praying hard. I'm going to get down on my knees, and now I'm going to do it. And, you know, even today I was sitting there, and I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm preparing for service, and I'm thinking and going through all this religious thinking in my mind that i got to pray a certain amount. i got to get a certain amount in with God, because if I don't do that, God can't show up. But see, the truth of the matter is, God isn't looking for any of that. He, he, he wants to answer your prayer before you've even asked it. He wants to answer your prayer before you've even known that you needed it. The Bible tells us that we don't know how to pray as we should, and so the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us 
The Holy, we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know what we should pray. You're praying what you think you should pray, and meanwhile, the devil's back here doing something else that you don't even know, or other people are doing something that you don't even know. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to change it. You don't know even what's coming. Shoot, you don't even know what to pray right now. But the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. See, God already knows he's not needing you to pray a certain amount. He doesn't want you to, 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 you know, when the Bible says to come diligently to him, you know, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him or seek him out. That doesn't mean that they come to him about one thing and just pray, well, I got 10 hours praying on this thing, so surely God is going to answer me now. It's somebody who stays before the Lord, somebody who has transformed their mind and say, Lord, I want my thoughts to be in line with your thoughts. I want my ways to be in line with your ways. I seek you on everything I'm doing in life because, Lord, I just want to be in your will. And if I can stay in that place, that's the place of diligently seeking him. It isn't, oh, I spent this much time doing this much of a thing. What parent would do that? Say, well... My child asked me that, they, or they asked me for dinner because they were hungry, but I'm going to wait and see how long I can make them go for. Just because I want them. But see, this is how people think God is. You don't think that if you want, got something in your life that needs to change, and, and, and it just needs to change right now, you don't think God is not on your side wanting that same thing to change? But see, the thing is, is people think because God is sovereign that he's up there manipulating and controlling everything and just because, it, because God can just do everything. But don't you know that God, Jesus was the express image and will of the Father? He told us and so himself. The Holy Spirit bared witness of it. And even the people, the, uh, uh, this whole Bible is based around the idea that Jesus was the exact image of God. And when he was in his hometown, the Bible says, he could do no mighty work. He could do. He was God in the flesh, and he could do nothing in that place. And you know why he could do nothing in that place? Because people would not yield themselves to him. They refused him. In fact, if you go read about that in Mark 4, that's exactly what that account is all about. They refused him as Messiah. They refused him as God. They refused him to think the way he said to think. The, th the thoughts he was trying to show them and the way he was trying to show them, show them they refused it. Yeah. And when they refused it, they could not receive from it. It's the exact same thing today. When Jesus dealt with people, when we see the accounts of him healing people, how did he approach them? There's one place in scripture where he says, only believe. The man came to Jesus and he said, change the situation for me. He said, only believe. He encouraged them, believe, trust, trust God. Put your faith with God. Yeah. See, this is not the message I planned on preaching. But somehow we got here, amen? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> we need to trust God. We need our thoughts to be transformed to his thoughts. It just flashed at me. Meaning my time is up. Glory to God. <clears throat> Our thoughts need to be transformed into his thoughts. I was going to get into lifting things higher. And do you know, I'll just give you this. I'll just throw these things out there because I don't know if I'll ever get back to it again. Jesus, I think it's really interesting that when he prayed, where'd he go? On the mountain. What is that? It's up. When Moses was getting the word of the Lord, where did God take him? To the mountain. When Jesus 
was going to the cross, the most troublesome moment in his life, he went to the mount. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us that we've come to a mountain, not a mountain that can't be touched, but a mountain that can be touched. What is the mountain? The mountain is representative of higher thinking. Do you know when the devil tempted Jesus, where did he take him? To a high place. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to exalt. He wanted Jesus to see things from, a, from the perspective that he, he wanted to see all that he could get. To give up all that he had. He tried to exalt the wrong thing in his life. And see, whatever is exalted in our life, that's the perspective we get. See, I was going to get into praise, and I wanted to get into praise because praise is the very act of faith of exalting God in our life. And when we do that, God brings us up. The Bible promises us that as we praise, it's like tethering ourselves to a balloon, that as it rises, we rise. How do you get out of trial? You aren't going to get out of it by complaining or crying or getting upset. And if you don't believe me, just stay what you've been doing, which is crying, complaining, and getting upset. It hasn't got you out of it, has it? And it won't get you out of it. The only thing that will get you out of trial is praise. The only thing that will lift you up, the Bible talks about praise over and over. We got a whole book called Psalms, which is basically a book of praise, or a lot of it. Praising the Lord and lifting up the Lord and glorifying God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you know that right before Jesus walked on water, do you know where he went? went to the mountain to pray it was when he went to that place of prayer and people say well you're taking a little bit of liberty with the mountain thing well yeah maybe I am I don't I don't think I am I mean that's what the word says he kept going there he, he kept going to that place of prayer and I, I know that's in the gospels it's repeating the same thing but but you know one thing I've learned about the Bible is that if the Bible says something it's important for us and so if there's something that's important about it then we probably better look into it, amen? And I'm not trying to make, let's not make a mountain, uh, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make a mountain uh, uh, doctrine, yeah, I'm not trying to make that. But the idea of lifting up and going to that place of, of being lifted up, uh, praise the Lord, a higher perspective. You know, I was thinking one last thing, can I share one last thing with you as, we, as we're closing here? You know, my, in, in the fall, my family always likes to go at least once a year and do a corn maze. And every corn maze I've been in, they have the same thing. You know, you can't see over the corn because the corn is taller than you. And so you know that there's a way through that maze, but you might not know it. And we tried, there's been mazes that we've been in, and uh, we started cutting through the corn because that was the only way we were going to get out. But in the center of all these corn mazes, or most of the ones I've seen, they have a platform. And in that platform, you, when you get up on that platform, you can kind of see how things are laid out a little bit better. And if you have a map, you can see where you're at, where you're at and you can kind of get an idea of things. And you see people's heads bopping around and stuff like that. It's all about perspective. And that's exactly what God is saying, is my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my, my ways are higher than your ways. He's saying, come up to my thoughts, come up to my ways, listen to what I have to say, come to where I am, and I'm going to show you the way through the maze. A lot of times life is a maze. A lot of times life is confusing. A lot of times we don't know where we're going next. We don't know what to do next. But if we can have enough faith to rest in him and say, listen, I can't fix this, so right now I'm just going to roll over and die today. That's my phrase today. Pastor Jeff said, roll over and die. Amen. Glory to God. Roll over and die to yourself. Amen. Roll over and die to yourself. A little to yourself, but throw it in there. Amen. 
glory to God. As we die to ourselves, we live for him. God will, in, in, in the scriptures I didn't get to, in due time, he exalts us. He lifts us up if we humble ourselves before him. And that's exactly what it's all about. Heavenly perspective is about humbling yourself so you can hear from him. Amen? We're going to do that.